You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Broadcasting from a hidden rebel fortress long forgotten since the days of the Clone Wars, Commanders Michael Cohen, Matthew Krenke, and their daring crew lead a rebel cell dedicated to bringing you stories of adventure and excitement from across the galaxy. Join them for tales of heroes from the dawn of the Resistance stretching back to the Old Republic. Tales of Jedi and Sith, Rebels and Imperials, technological terrors, and fantastic creatures. Legends so great, you won't believe them. But it's true. All of it. So what are you waiting for? Strap in and get ready to make the jump with Rebel Cells, the Star Wars animation podcast. Hello and welcome back to Rebel Cells, the Star Wars animation podcast for the Star Wars Resistance episode, The Missing Agent. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen, and with me, as always, my faithful co-pilot, Matt, the Crankster Cranky. Yo, what's up, Mike? It's early morning on a Friday. Uh, we're a little late this week with the episode, <laughs> yeah. but that's okay. You know, a lot, obviously, geez, we had a, you know, Christmas going on and the holidays and, uh, but we're here, man. We're here on a Friday morning to get this done, man. Talk about some resistance. Uh, you know, it's funny. It's a little, um, you know, resistance has obviously taken a big back seat to all the stuff going on in the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was just thinking, Mike, too, about like what it's it's so interesting now that the Rise of Skywalker is done. Yep. You know, this sequel trilogy and this particular show, Resistance, is set from what we know so far between. The Force Awakens, and I guess we could say, you know, the the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, it's it's hard to you know, like what what can they possibly do to surprise us? You know, like is there going to be any surprises left? I don't know. I guess we'll see in the next few episodes. But that's kind of where my mind was. Like, man, this is going to be an interesting last few uh, few episodes. I don't know. What do you think? Uh yeah, I. I, I said something a few times before uh, Rise of Skywalker came out, which was, you know, if um, if we don't clearly see the Colossus, if we don't see the Aces, yeah, if they if there's not a, a significant cameo featuring these characters in the movie in that final battle, um, what's the point? And not I uh, we're not gonna spoil any of. Rise of Skywalker here. Uh, if, right. you, if you want a Rise of Skywalker review. I mean, like, granted, next week, all bets are off. If you haven't seen it within the first two weeks of release, yeah, then that's on you. <laughs> this yeah. is a Star Wars podcast. We're going to talk about Star Wars. But this week, like, I, I understand that some, for some people it takes a little bit of time to get out there. So we're not going to talk about anything else. But just the only thing that I will say is no Colossus. No fireball, no aces. Um, mm-hmm. They are they are seemingly not a part of this final battle. 
Um, one big disappointment for me on that front is the visual dictionary, although it is hefty and it is great. It gives no insight on the ships in that battle. Um, and, and I'll just say like that, that final space battle to me is the biggest letdown of the movie, a movie that I love. Like I, I enjoy the movie. I, I really, really like it. But that final space battle, they promised so much and delivered the one shot that we saw in the trailer. Um, and and the and the only reason that I bring it up is obviously because we're talking Star Wars Resistance, a show that is seemingly setting up that final battle mm-hmm. as we focus on this kid who's a part of the Resistance... Um, a resistance that needs every pilot it can get. And um, the show is about him, him recruiting a bunch of other ace pilots and turning them into a fighter squadron. Mm-hmm. And yet, like, to, to have no moment in the movie where their presence is made known um, in Anyway, not even in a, a non-meaningful. No, in no way. It, mm-hmm. the, there is a very small chance that the bottom of the Colossus is seen in one shot, the shot from the trailer. But knowing what we know of the Colossus and its size and the fact that it is a refueling depot. Um, I mean, it should be about the same size as one of those Star Destroyers. That would be a very significant uh, uh, focal point of the battle. Of like, oh, we've got all these ships, and here comes the Colossus. Which, hey, here's a reward for everybody who's bothered to stick with Star Wars Resistance. But it's it's almost like Disney and Lucasfilm know that nobody is sticking with Star Wars Resistance. So why bother? Um... Or it might be vice versa, where it was like, at a certain point, it was very clear that the Colossus and these characters were not going to be included in the way that the ghost gets to be included in. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Mm, just about every opportunity there's been to put the the ghost into something else, the ghost has shown up. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah the, yeah, the ghost has actually three moments on screen in rise of Skywalker. None of them are significant, but, but it's there. Um, and for those who know it's noticeable, um, you even see at one point, uh, a Mandalorian uh, Marauder. (laughs) Right. Uh, not clear if it's really him, but it's there. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Um, I got you. Uh, yeah. So, Sorry, <coughs> early in the morning, um, and I'm still just getting over this cough. I, uh, but yeah, it, it's a, uh, it's just a bummer. It's yeah. just a bummer for those of us who have invested time in this show, right. um, hoping that it was going somewhere. And it, I mean, like, there's still an opportunity for it to go somewhere. Let me let me bring up, um, the rest of the episode titles. For the remainder of the season, um, 
and we can kind of go through that and see like is this is this going somewhere um but i just i like i'm i'm hard pressed to see where it could be going if it's not leading towards that battle i like that the first episode of the season was titled into the unknown which is the title track on the frozen two soundtrack but um, (laughs) yeah well that was a coincidence so we just did the missing agent we had that one right the next episode is breakout which will just be part two of this part two episode right. mm-hmm. um the mutiny which we don't we don't have episode descriptions for the rest of the season but we've got i i so this is the major piece of news for for the the week uh which is that uh resistance will be done by the end of january um oh yeah, yeah. so we've got the mutiny the following week, in two weeks, fifth of January, uh, we've got the New World and No Place Safe, um, both on January twelfth, uh, and then we've got Rebuilding the Resistance on the nineteenth, uh, and then the Escape on the twenty sixth, which is supposed to be, I believe, a, a one hour series finale. Oh, finale, yeah. Hmm. So, I. I don't know. I mean, like rebuilding the resistance seems like it would be tying directly into the plot of Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. But God. Yeah. You know, what's weird is like in this whole story was kind of started with Poe, like, hey, recruiting somebody. And and like you said, like, I don't understand why, it. you know, if this is canon, like when they're doing the Rise of Skywalker, let's just say. For, for the sake of the story, we don't know yet. But this story, they they end up finishing up, and they're still alive, and they're still part of the resistance. Like, how hard is it to animate? And JJ doesn't even have to. He probably wouldn't even care. Like, he just said, "Hey, this is going to be a huge battle scene. Put the Millennium Falcon and just put a bunch of ships in there." As far as the animators or whoever is doing it, the CGI guys, just throw in. If the story group goes, "Hey, why don't you throw in the Colossus in there, and throw in a couple?" <clears throat> excuse me. A couple of aces, like, who's going to know the difference? not that big of a deal. Yeah. Like you said, those of us who are invested in this story can go, oh, that's great, you know? So it's it's so weird to, like, so 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 does nothing does nothing happen or does do they all not survive after this series, which I can't see them doing a Disney show. Like, they wouldn't. The, obviously the, not going to kill everybody off. So it's the like, one, ah. The one thing that they can do that, that can change my opinion on this um, there are some final shots in Rise of Skywalker. This is some mild spoilers, so if you don't want to hear it, skip ahead probably about five ten minutes. But, um, I mean the end of the movie. Uh, if you if you thought that the end of the movie uh, that the movie ends with Ray turning to the dark side and the bad guys winning, then you're not paying attention to Star Wars. Um, but the end of the film is uh. uh after the battle is over is a series of shots of different worlds Mm. with first order star destroyers being taken out. Um, Mm. It's super confusing because you're like, wait, I thought the whole fleet was on Exegol, but that's not the case. The, the Sith fleet is on Exegol, uh, but the first order is still out there. So, um, you know, it's, if a movie needs a visual dictionary in order to make it make sense, then maybe there's some problems with the movie. But um, like I said, I do I do love it, but it's got some huge plot holes, yeah. right. um, Star Destroyer sized plot holes. Um, 
But if we if we learn that in in rebuilding the resistance or the escape that they were dealing with um, Commander Pyre and his Star Destroyer in the midst of all of this Um, and and let's let's put it on a significant world, you know, Um, then then I'm cool. Then it's okay. Yeah. Then it, then mm-hmm. it, then it'll be all right. Yeah. But uh, I never thought about that. About yeah, you're right about as far as the end of that the, movie. Because there are clearly That's like it of... indicates that there are other battles that happen. Yeah. True. Right true. in the wake of of Very the finale of the film. So yeah, you could still tie that in. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and not wow. have them okay. at the battle of X. Yeah. So um, hmm. interesting. Yeah. I, it, it, th- there's still an opportunity, but yeah, I, but at the same time. What was the point? What was the point of this show? <laughs> yeah. And and for my problems with that final battle, which like everything else, I can read through that visual dictionary and go, okay, clearly there was a scene that was cut. Clearly this was meant to be more fleshed out. Clearly this was, you know, like like uh, uh, JJ didn't care, but the story group has got, got us covered of like, here's why a hobbit knows everything about the Sith. Okay, cool. Um, like... Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff in the movie that, like, you're moving so fast it doesn't make any sense when you stop to think about it. But, um, but I can forgive. I can get over, and I can I can justify it to myself. And no different than why is Luke on Tatooine with his uh, uh, step brother, step uncle, and and uh, with Anakin's step brother. Um, wouldn't that be the first place he would go look? And it's like, yeah. well, no, it's the last place Anakin Skywalker would want to go. But it, but it is kind of a weird decision. We want to hide this kid. Let's put him. Yeah, the first place you would think with family. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny about you said that. Leave his name Skywalker and all that. But it, it's funny, like uh, to parallel to to put it in like my terms. Sometimes in, in law enforcement, like. When you are looking for somebody that's maybe escaped or has done something, the first place we always go is directly to a relative or a house to yeah. find them. And nine times out of ten, you end up catching the bad guy going back to somewhere. So that's kind of a real world kind of look at it. But yeah, it's kind of yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah uh, so so like. All of that stuff I can forgive. The thing I cannot forgive in Rise of Skywalker is the the just disservice to space battles it's just so yeah it's such a jumble and it's so unclear um and it just ignores everything that george put into those other movies to be like hey um heads up really clear silhouettes please I I let's make everything in nice stark flat lighting. Um uh well actually it's not flat it tends to be very high contrast but but it's very bright. It's uh, like this the the battles in the original trilogy are all super bright. Mm-hmm. Um like the the battle both Death Star battles, the the battle of Hoth. Um it's all like Oh, I can very clearly see what's going on. It's not foggy with darkness and lightning. Um, and it's always been really clear of like X-Wing, Y-Wing, B-Wing, A-Wing. 
they have silhouettes that are immediately recognizable. Um, but beyond that, they also have these color pops versus TIE fighters, which again, instantly recognizable, but in terms of color, TIE fighters are more or less black and, uh, and, and rebel fighters are more or less gray with colors. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, the A-wing is almost solid red, but this distinguishes them in, in the battles. It's like, we instantly know who are the good guys, who are the bad guys, Moncal cruisers, big bubbles. Why are the Moncal cruisers big bubbles? The Moncal cruisers are big bubbles because Star Destroyers were already giant triangles. <laughs> so, so in that shot where Luke is looking out the viewport at the battle uh, on the, in the Emperor's throne room, from that distance, you, you can see, see who the good guys are and who the bad guys are. Right. Not that you really need to even be able to, like, survey the damage and know, like, who's winning, who's losing. We know because the Emperor tells us. It's like, well, your friends are going to die. But it gives us this really clear view of the battlefield of, like, oh, there's, like, four or five of these capital ships, these rebel capital ships, and there are, like, 50 Star Destroyers. Mm -hmm. Like, they're screwed. They have a Super Star Destroyer. (laughs) Like, they're screwed. That, and there's another example. The command ship in Return of the Jedi is very clearly distinguished from the rest of the the um, Star Destroyers, and that's not the case in Rise of Skywalker. They're just like, if you look at the Battle of Endor, it's executed so oh, perfectly from start yeah. to finish, and it it's clear to me that in the rush to get this movie done... The biggest mistake is was the timeline, um, on getting this done. It's like we just like just crank it out, just crank it out, crank it out, crank it out. Yeah. Um, and if I were George Lucas, the thing that I would be the most upset about is that fact, is that it was like that's what Disney is doing, is that they're just cranking these movies out. Um, yeah. I think that Bob Iger is right to, to now pump the brakes. Yeah, let's, slow it down. Let's take some time. <clears throat> let's make sure that these movies are actually special. Um, it's not like Marvel, which was an unknown quantity and they started coming out and they're like, Oh crap. People really like this Iron Man guy. Okay. Well, hmm. let's fast track a sequel. Oh, they don't want just more of the same thing. Okay. Let's, you know, good thing. We've got all these other, and like, if you look at, you look at the, the latter half of, um, actually, no, I guess it's the beginning of phase two. Like, everything leading up to, to Avengers is pretty good, but then Phase 2, the first half of Phase 2, is a little bit rocky. You got you have some director shakeups, you have some less-than-awesome movies um, in, uh, in, in Thor The Dark World, which is probably still the worst mm-hmm. uh, MCU film. Um, you have some weird choices, some bold choices that, that some pan out and some don't. Um, uh, like Guardians of the Galaxy ended up being a breakout for them, right. uh, pun intended. Guardians of the Galaxy breakout is the ride at Disneyland, but I, I, but it took them a little while to get their footing. People, people now look at the MCU eleven, almost twelve years later, um, as this unstoppable juggernaut. Like it's always been that, and it wasn't. It wasn't. The first movie out was a surprise smash yeah. hit. Sure. Iron Man was not supposed to be as big as it was. That was the whole point was like, oh, who do we have left? 
everybody else is licensed to other to other studios. We've we've given the rights away. Um, who do we have? Oh, we've got Iron Man, Captain America. Oh, I guess we have the Avengers. Okay, well let's go out the gate with Iron Man. I guess that's cool. I guess that could work. Um, and they got lucky with two aspects: John Favreau, which yeah. tune into Faster, More Intense next week uh, as we <laughs> talk about. Uh, there's your, uh, there's your, your, uh, uh, lucky charm there. Um, and, uh, and, and the genius casting of Robert Downey Jr. Without those two things, that movie, the MCU doesn't happen because the next movie out was the incredible Hulk with Edward Norton. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm hard pressed to think of the name of the director, but, um, but uh, I, that doesn't matter because Edward Norton, although he is a phenomenal actor, um, and I would never take anything away from his talent, is by all accounts a nightmare to work with. And he insisted on rewriting parts of that movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they let him do it, and which is just absurd. Um, I mean, it's not, but it is. Um and that movie, that movie ends up being a bit of a mess. Um, so yeah, like all of that to say that like the MCU was rocky in the beginning as well. They powered through because they could, because they they kind of had these, uh, I guess like these goalposts that they were driving towards with Avengers and and Age of Ultron and and uh, and Endgame and that sort of thing. Uh, but but by the end of Phase Two, they figured it out the end of phase two is like a few years in um Mm -hmm. you look at it like it's like i said it's it's 12 years where we're at now and now every marvel movie that comes out is like it's a solid eight or up um that's it like rise of skywalker is is like around a seven seven five um and that's fine that's good that's fair, yeah. That's fair. Not yeah. every Star Wars movie is going to be a perfect ten. Uh, I mean, the the prequels themselves are are <laughs> seven and five would be generous to to Revenge <laughs> of the Sith, and it's obviously the best one of the three. So, um, yeah, I yeah, I, I just I, I don't know. Yeah, like we're, we we're, was... we're in a bit of a weird spot with Star <laughs> yeah. Wars, but but I do think it's important. I think it, Star Wars is different from Marvel because with Marvel. Um, you have to bring everything together in these big event ones, like like Endgame or or Age of Ultron or whatever, and you have to be aware of the other stories. But when Ant Man comes out, it doesn't it doesn't have to link up to everything else. Mm-hmm. Not not in not in these meaningful ways. Whereas, I mean, like we were getting Star Wars movie every year. Um. And it seemed like there was this drive to have everything connect into one of the three original trilogy characters. And I, I have no doubt if we saw the original treatment for Obi-Wan Kenobi, for whatever that was going to be, it was going to connect into Luke. It was going to give us a young Luke and give us some insight. It still may. But I... 
I think now they realize, okay, we got to pull back on that stuff. Not everything needs to be connected into the original trilogy characters, into these three. Because Rogue One obviously ends with Vader and and Princess Leia, but um, it's not ne- it doesn't necessarily revolve around it. But, I mean, like, there's all this stuff with Bail Organa in it and Mon Mothma. It kind of sets up the atmosphere in which Leia exists. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it is kind of tied into her. Obviously, Solo is... <laughs> about Han Solo, um, and I and I believe that Kenobi would have would have given us insight into Luke's life before A New Hope, but yeah. Um, now I think they're like, oh, okay, it's okay for us to pull back a little bit on that aspect of it. It doesn't all have to be revolving around these three characters um, and their connection into everything else. Um, what's the most important is tell a great story. That's what the Mandalorian has shown us. Um, And it's the opportunity that the star Wars resistance had, but it just feels like they've really, yeah, they've, they've, I don't, I, I would love to talk candidly with the showrunners on this show and say like, what, what happened with this show? Because you have all of the pieces you have, they obviously have a different writing staff from Star Wars Rebels or, or um, mm-hmm. uh, Clone Wars, but but I mean like at the same time, there's a lot of people who've come over from that, from from the history of Lucasfilm Animation. I uh, like what what's happened here. Like why did this show go in such a starkly different direction from everything else, and why is it not? integral to the sequel trilogy because mm. it should be this should be required viewing um the conversation last week should have been oh hey what at the end of the movie that space station comes in and those ships all launch and some cool designs who are those guys? Yeah. And you go like, let me tell you about a little show called Star Wars Resistance. Because that, with Rogue One, it was like, what's this ghost thing that everybody's all excited about? Well, well uh-huh. let me tell you about, yeah. let me tell you about Star Wars Rebels. Or Star Wars Rebels, yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I, yeah, like like that, like that, that's what you want. And and also and like I, I've I've said the last few weeks I've been going back through Star Wars Rebels and like for my money best Star Wars there is like there's no there's no better example of what Star Wars is and can be than what's in Star Wars Rebels it has every element of it it has space battles mm-hmm. it has Jedi and Sith although you know they're Jedi and Inquisitors but call them inquisitors they're sith they're dark yeah. jedi it doesn't matter right um yeah uh and now that we have a larger picture of what the sith were are um makes more sense but right. uh yeah i mean like it's got great characters it's got shootout blaster shootouts it's got adventure and excitement and all of those things a jedi's not supposed to care about but uh but it's got it all and it's all awesome and uh, it's even got a few weird, silly episodes. Um, like, I can't wait until I get to the Purgles. 
uh, uh, which obviously <laughs> yeah. end up being so important to that show. Yeah. And uh, oh yeah, I don't know. For I sure. like that space battle plays it so safe, and bringing up Purgles. I mean, like, how cool would it have been? How cool would it have been to confirm that Ezra is still alive? Yeah. Not by showing him. Or having him talk or anything like that, but by having a bunch of purgles show up in this final battle yeah. in order to actually there is in the visual dictionary there's a there's a there's a piece that um that that implies uh the existence of purgles. Uh but uh um you wouldn't know it from watching the movie. So I don't find that I don't consider this a spoiler. In mm. the in the nebula uh that you have to, to navigate to get to Exegol, there's all this debris inside the nebula. Apparently, according to the visual dictionary, those are the carcasses of spacefaring megafauna. So we have a few of those that we know of. Um, and Purgles are one of the main ones. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I thought that was really, I thought that was really cool. Um, would have been cooler to actually see something, but yeah, um, we've seen a few giant, creatures in space so <laughs> yeah i don't know i think it's just it's just kind of like you said it's just sometimes it could be frustrating because you know this is like you said we've been talking about it's been canon and but it just doesn't seem like it's uh that important and i just wonder sometimes like this thing was supposedly created by dave filoni he had this idea and i just wonder if it was one of those things where he was just coming off of you know the rebels and they were like, okay, let's start thinking about a new thing. And then he, he starts this idea, but then re- immediately he's pulled away because, you know, Favreau maybe comes to him and goes, hey, I want to, we're going to do this. And like all his attention went from, he just basically said, okay, I don't, not that he doesn't care, but it's like, hey, Justin Ridge, you're taking over. I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to live action now. And it's almost like, I don't know the time frame or anything like that, but I just wonder if, you know, the, 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 yeah, Dave Filoni's influence, um, you know, just is not there. Maybe and yeah, I don't know. I don't. Know. I we'll think. See. I think <laughs> in 2016, Josh Trank. No, sorry, in 2015, Josh Trank gets fired, um, and Kathleen Kennedy is like, "What are we gonna do with this Boba Fett project?" Yeah, and at some point, she's in a room with John Favreau or somebody's in a room with John Favreau, but I imagine it was probably her, um, at some sort of, at something Disney related, whether it's a, a red carpet or, uh, uh, you know, uh, investor meeting or whatever, something like that. And, and she says like, we got this problem with this Boba Fett project. And it's like, do you want to direct it? And he goes, yeah, maybe. And mm-hmm. then Bob Iger goes, we got, we need TV projects. <laughs> we yeah. got this thing. We just bought Fox. Or we're going to buy Fox. We're going to have this streaming platform. Uh, we're going to go direct to consumer uh, instead of going through Netflix or Hulu or whoever else um, and making these deals. We're just going to, we're just going to own, just own the cow. Right. Uh, and, uh, and, and that Boba Fett project evolved into, the Mandalorian and at some point on the last season when the last season was like in production not when it was coming out because because the production tends to proceed 
uh, the actual release schedule, but like Clone Wars will all be finished. It was all finished like last week and it doesn't come out until February. So, um, at some point in the, in the production timeline, I, John Favreau came to Dave Filoni and said, Hey man, I need your help with this. (laughs) And Dave had the opportunity to jump on the live action and say, and, and I think more importantly than the fact that it's live action, cause I don't think that that matters as much to him, but I, uh, more importantly, like this is going to be high profile. This is going to be make or break for star Wars and for Disney plus, which is the future of all of this stuff. Um, that's exciting. That's important. I'm going to go work on that. Justin, do you have this resistance show? You got that? Um, And so that was at the point that he stepped down as supervising director on Star Wars Rebels um, and Justin Ridge took over. And I I believe that resistance was in pre-production at that point. Mm -hmm. So you've got, you've got, I think probably a, a, a supervising director who was who is splitting his time between production on Rebels, uh, on the final season of Rebels, as well as pre-production on Resistance, and then a, an executive producer uh, in Dave Filoni, who was like, who was focusing on Star Wars Rebels because it was the series finale, and mm-hmm. obviously there's some tricky stuff in there, yeah, and a lot of threads to close up, um, and but then also starting on this new adventure with John Favreau on this incredible new series um, and breaking stories on that and that sort of thing. So uh, I think that star Wars resistance just kind of, it's not that it got forgotten. I think it just, I think it just got deprioritized. Oh, big time. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like, like in terms of Dave Filoni's involvement and, and yeah, like whatever idea, whatever nugget was originally there of uh, racing and the resistance it just, I think through notes, I think through through um, Disney Channel, Disney XD. I mean, obviously, like, it wasn't until like a few weeks before the show premiered that we even knew which channel it was going to be airing on. Yeah, and it was like, oh, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna launch it on Disney Channel, and then it'll move to Disney XD. That's that's just like Star Wars Rebels. And then what happened? It just stayed on Disney Channel. Yeah, it never it like I I'm sure that you can see reruns on Disney XD, but it's just on Disney Channel, and it's like okay, well Disney XD is the is the channel is the network for your like, um, boys, action adventure, properties for Disney mm-hmm. like like Star yeah. Wars Rebels like Tron Uprising like, um uh, I I don't know there was one about a giant robot or something, I, uh, a bunch of shows like that that they were producing. Um, Disney Channel is for like your live action, like prank shows and stuff like that. Like, like it's the Nickelodeon for Disney. Yeah. Um, what like that must have had an effect because Disney XD I think would be like yeah lean into the action lead into the intensity like let's make this a cool show for. I mean, I, I don't necessarily agree with this way of thinking, but I but I do think that it it it's the way that these channels are structured is like boys eight to thirteen, 
right? Like, like make it cool for that audience. That's our, that's our main demographic. That's why Disney XD is split from Disney channel, which is more of an all ages, mm-hmm. um, uh, more of a 50, 50 split. So, I. Uh, I think Disney Channel is much more like, yeah, make it like silly and fun and uh, and but not too scary because, you know, we want the we want the six year olds to be able to watch it. Um, and so you end up with a very different show. Uh, that's the, like I think that that's sort of the in the DNA of it. Maybe one day we'll we'll learn all this. Uh, I don't think we will because I just don't think that anybody cares enough about Star Wars Resistance to ask these questions. <laughs> nobody, yeah. nobody with any actual ability to talk to these people, right? So, yeah. um, being that we're not journalists and we're just podcasters, uh, uh, and it's not it's not my full time job, and I don't have that relationship with people to be able to actually get these candid answers. Uh, it's uh, yeah, I because I think I think I'm probably the only one out there going like. Because I, from my perspective, you're either not watching it or you don't have a problem with the show. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of uh, so. Like like Jonah Marie, friend of the show, she doesn't seem to have the same problems with the show that we do. Uh, and that, like, that's just a matter of taste, right? Like if right. if if you're if you're into the 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 sort of sillier. Those, I don't want to say lower stakes, but just sort of, I don't know, less less intense storytelling mm-hmm. than uh, than than the previous shows. Then <coughs> that's fine, you know. Then 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 that's cool. Um, I don't know, man. I the biggest thing is that I didn't watch this episode on the Sunday night. Um, no. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because we were like prepping for we did two podcasts on Monday, and it was yeah. Mandalorian and Rise of Skywalker, and that's all I was thinking about. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, big time. And I, I, I didn't watch this until last night, which would have been Wednesday. Yeah, was it last night? Thursday night? No, last night, th- two nights ago. I, I think I watched it. Oh, okay. I think yeah, I watched it on on Christmas um, after everybody had kind of gone to sleep, and it was like okay. I, yeah. can, I can get five minutes to myself and, and, and watch the show. And to be perfectly honest, I have no idea what happened in this episode. <laughs> like I lost interest about 10 minutes in and it never got me back because it was like, uh, yeah. there's a resistance guy and he's a bounty hunter got him. Yeah. And we're going to, we got to find the bounty hunter. Or we got to find him or something. I don't know. <laughs> the only part of the episode that matters is that the end it's like oh he's got Yeager and Sinara and right. the first order is here and so like, okay so maybe next week's episode will actually be interesting because there are actual stakes but it's like you can't just be like here's this Duros and he's here and you're supposed to care about him it's like ah, it, I you, look I'm having a hard time caring about the characters in this show that we're supposed to the care main about characters. Um, yeah, like yeah. characters with actual names. I don't like, like you can't just throw a new guy in here, but I don't know. It, it is very clear to me that this season is about, is about them gaining allies. So this, in this episode, like they'll get this guy and he'll come back with them. And it's like, yeah. Oh, every, every couple episodes, they gain a new person who comes back to the Colossus with them. Um, yeah. So, but, but like I said before, what's the point? <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, uh, 
I would love to get a trailer for the latter half of season two. Yeah. To show us like where this is going. Where it's going, yeah. So that I yeah. can get invested. But I honestly don't know if Disney cares enough to make sure that we're invested. It seems to me like the goal here is let's crank out these last few episodes to clear the runway for Clone Wars coming back. Because we don't want to have to promote these things side by side. What mm-hmm. what cartoon show are you talking about? It's like, no, no, no. Resistance is done. Now we're talking about Clone Wars, the, the yeah. final season of Clone Wars, not the final season of Star Wars Resistance. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, it just seems like they're just trying to crank well, seen, stuff out. Yeah, we've seen from the trailers, like, there's, you know, Kylo Ren's going to show up, and, and no spoilers, yeah. but we know where that character goes, and it's like, well, like I said earlier, like, man, where is this actually going to end up? Because we know it's what just going to be a hologram. It's going to be a hologram to Commander yeah. Pyre or to Agent Tyranny, and it's going to be yeah. some nonsense about like you have you. I have to go explore the unknown regions, and I need you to deal with this resistance scum. And yeah. that's going to be the end of it, and it's going to be this big buildup for no payoff. For nothing, yeah. It's not yeah, like he's going like to show up on the Colossus with his lightsaber and be like, where's the Resistance spy? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's... No, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Well, other than that, I mean, before we get into the episode, I mean, as far as news, really, it's all about the Rise of Skywalker. It's, you know, it's doing great. It's over $500 million worldwide at yep. this point. So it's it's chugging along. Everything's great. So um, other than that, though, yeah, it's just uh, <clears throat> it's just uh, it's just like I said that. And obviously, um, as of this recording, the Mandalorian just wrapped its first season. I haven't seen it yet, so obviously we're not going to talk about it. But stay tuned to faster, more intense. Uh, I believe what Tuesday uh, we'll have the, the yeah, final Tuesday episode. Yeah, Tuesday should be out. Yeah. So other than that, I guess other than that, Mike. Uh, I guess we'll just, uh, we could talk about this episode. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Calculate the jump, Chop. How is my boyfriend doing? Maybe I can help you. I am Boba Fett. What was that? What was what? The throwing and the falling. Over there. Don't think about it. Kenobi. So you mean to tell me you were staging a rescue, not attempting to hijack a Jedi starship? You're welcome! Now, it's time for the Rebel Cells. Episode Recap. The Missing Agent. Here we go, directed by Stuart Lee. Written by Brandon Allman, a couple of guys that have been in this uh, series quite a bit here. In the dead of night, Aduros and his droid run through a marketplace. They finally get inside and send a distress signal to the resistance. Uh, suddenly, a shadowy figure enters, blasting the Duros' droid. On the Colossus, Kaz picks up the distress signal. Though Captain Doza is skeptical, Kaz, CB-23, and Yeager want to investigate. They take a shuttle with Sonara along for the ride and head for the Vankara spaceport. So, Mike, we start off in uh, kind of like right in the action here. He's a spy who we find out his name, Norath Kev, is on the run on this desert planet of Varkana, another desert planet here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and just as he says this distress signal, this bounty hunter uh, breaks in, acts Tagrin, 
and take some hogs. It's funny about these uh, uh, these two new characters that we get, or three new characters. Um, this guy is voiced by Joe Manganiello, which is, I mean, I know who the guy is. He's he's been in quite a few things. Big time oh, actor. Did you know that? No, that that's crazy. Yeah. Um, and there's yeah, another one too. Yeah, he, but he was supposed to play Deathstroke in, in Deathstroke. Right? He may still be playing Deathstroke because we yeah. we don't know who the bad guy is going to be in the new Batman movie. I guess we know we know that the Riddler's in it, but um, yeah, yeah, he was supposed to play Deathstroke alongside Ben Affleck's Batman. But that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. So I don't know, man. It's 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 funny how they bring in these these couple of these big time actors to do these these smaller roles here. But um, this episode is. We get this introduction of the Norath character, Mike, and he's actually – it's clearly meant to parallel kind of Kaz in, in some ways as far as being like a, this this you know resistance spy. Um, and this one is kind of like a noirish type of episode if you, know, if, if you want to call it something like that where it's this spy little kind of behind-the-scenes sure, type yeah, stuff. Yeah. So um, I don't know, but we get to the distress call and it gets through the Colossus and – Doza doesn't want to deal with it because it's a trap, but Kaz is like, hey, you know, resistance frequencies are hard to duplicate, so maybe this is something worth checking out. They ultimately end up going and checking it out. But um, obviously you weren't too uh, (laughs) excited about this episode, but I don't know. What do you think? It just just never grabbed me, right? Like I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, fine, whatever. But it just never – Yeah. It just never really got me invested in in the plot, um, and I it's just it could just be that I'm exhausted and I'm I'm a little bit, um, a lot going on. Yeah, my my energies for Star Wars are focused somewhere else entirely. But yeah, yeah, um, sure, yeah, sure. yeah. Th- this it just it just never really it's never really grabbed me. Remind me at the end of the episode that the episode descriptions are out for the rest of the season. Okay. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it after this episode, but, or like after this, uh, this recap, but, yeah. okay. Um, yeah, but <clears throat> sure, sure. Go ahead. Yeah. I, uh, you want me to continue? I guess we'll just, we'll just keep going with the story. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, upon arrival, they walk through the marketplace looking to trace the distress signal to its source, but a vendor, uh, Lechi, do they ever say his name? Is that, how do we, yeah, they this? do. Yeah. Is they it Lechi or Lechi? Lechi. Lychee? Lychee. Okay, uh, tries to stop him for a de- stop them for a deal before secretly reporting them to some be- reporting the group to someone via comlink. CB23 leads the team to the origin point of the distress signal, but the apartment is empty. Kaz finds the data pad used to send the beacon, however, and then and CB23 decrypts it. So, yeah, I mean like if if you didn't if you didn't from the second that this Leechy guy starts talking to them, if you didn't see that he was going to be a bad guy, the uh, informant, yeah, it was like, why is this guy talking to them? If he's yeah. not a good guy, he must be a bad guy. Um, yeah, yeah. But here's the, here's the second um, uh, voice actor that is a you know it's a SNL uh, guy by the name of Fred Armisen. I, I watch SNL, so I know exactly who it is, and I sure, could definitely yeah, tell yeah. his voice. So he was. Uh, the voice of um, of Leechy here hmm. and the informant. Yeah, I definitely saw the that. The Gran, comments. right? That's the Gran character? Uh, three Fred eyes. Armisen? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the guy with yeah. three eyes, yeah. Yep, okay. that's him. Uh, I continue. At, according to the data pad, the person they're looking for is named Norath Kev, a resistance spy, sent here to track first order activity in the market. 
There's an entire list of potential first order contacts, including Lychee. But before they can leave, the shadowy figure emerges. It's a masked bounty hunter. Sonar holds off the mercenary while the others escape, but he's a formidable warrior. Eventually, he gets away. So really cool. Um, obviously, here comes Sonar in to save the day. Nice little action sequence here, them fighting, yeah. and she ultimately kind of gets the upper hand, but he actually runs away. But another thing, too, is I think this is part of the, the story of the resistance, or this band of, of resistances. Their part in this war against the First Order is to... Um, kind of go after these little black market little cells and um where they let's see what would they call it? not uh, black market what did they say because I, I had it written down it was like cells and little tiny pockets see you know i had it written down somewhere oh um first order contacts and uh they're tracing all this stuff this activity in the black market so i can i think that's part of their job and not their job but kind of how they're going to help out is not necessarily going after first order, mm. but going after contacts and, and and this kind of thing and and behind the scenes to help out in some way. That's kind of what I got from this particular episode. Is uh, that's what this spy um, is doing? What's his name? Uh, uh, Kev Norath Kev. Kind of what he's doing out here is just kind of looking for that black market behind the scenes. You know helping out people that help out the first order going after them and that's kind of their their way to help out in this war i don't know you got any got any thoughts on that mike yeah i this is i think this might be where i'm having the most trouble with this show is that every week we're kind of introducing something new um and on the one hand, like, I get it. Like, I get that. And it's actually kind of cool that, like, that the series has gone to so many planets and we've seen so many different things. But at the same time, what's this show about? Yeah. Right? Like, because Star Wars Rebels went to a few planets in season two and season three, but there was a purpose to it, right? Like, like in season two especially, it's like, oh, we're looking for a new base. Right, so we go to all these different planets. Oh, we're on the run from the Inquisitors, so we're hiding on all these different planets. We're, we're from here to here to here, um, so we get to see all these different places. In this show, it's like, yeah, okay, we are on the run from the First Order, we're trying to find safe haven. So we're going here, we're going here, we're going here. But I would have loved the series more if, um, especially now knowing what the Rise of Skywalker is about, if season two really focused on these Sith artifacts and it turned out like like I would (coughs) sorry the force is clearly trying to stop me from talking Um, (laughs) I would have I would have enjoyed the season a lot more if we would have flipped the script and instead of instead of the Colossus being on the run all the time from the First Order if in fact what we had was the Colossus and Kaz, as a resistance agent, as a resistance spy, discovered or uncovered like that. Oh, they're they're after Sith artifacts, um, and 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 to show them like going from planet to planet, discovering that like oh the Sith are actually like they're everywhere. It's all mm. around us. Like we just don't yeah. even know it. It's it's underneath our feet. Like we got that in the one episode in Relic Raiders. And so we got that, and then nothing after. 
mm-hmm. no yeah. mention of the Sith after that. And it's like, that's a really, it's really cool that that does kind of tie itself back in to rise of Skywalker and, uh, and Kylo Ren and, and all this stuff. And we had assumptions at the time that, that, that he was after Sith artifacts. I, not entirely wrong, but it would have been cool. It would have been cool for it to actually be pointing towards something in Rise of Skywalker. Um, but yeah, so I mean, like, like introducing all like these, like the uh, uh, that the First Order has connections to all these black market guys, and that this bounty hunter is working for it. Like all this stuff is, it's neat, but why do we care? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah, what, like sure. what, what difference does this make to the struggle of the Colossus? Because it really, it like the next episode they're gonna save Sinara and Yeager, and we're gonna be back to every episode gets us back to status quo. It just, it's like a Tom and Jerry cartoon, yeah. where like cat and mouse fight the whole time. At the end of the episode. Nothing changes in the next episode of Tom and Jerry. The cat and the mouse are gonna fight, yeah. right? Like it, <laughs> it's yeah, it, it's there's no there really isn't like a continuing through line other than Tam's story. Um, and I like I said I think I said this last week where it's like every episode is just a grocery run, right? It's like oh we're right. out of this so we got to go to this planet and get it. Uh oh we ran into trouble, yeah. right? Um, and we never stay in any one place long enough. To develop a story, um, and although this is a two-part episode, it, it just feels like they stretched it over two parts. Yeah. Um, the like the oh we didn't find him he's not there but we've tracked down his thing so now we're gonna go look it's I don't know it's yeah. uh, it it just uh, it, uh, I need to I I just need I just really need something to care about on this show in order for me to really invest in it but every mm-hmm. week yeah. it's just kind of yeah. and i peaked i i i I, I, I looked at my presence early and uh, <laughs> and, I, and i'm yeah. disappointed because i didn't yeah. get a nintendo switch so <laughs> i already have a nintendo switch i bought car a nintendo switch this year so yeah. <laughs> uh, three and a half year old with a nintendo switch i'm a terrible awesome. terrible father. <laughs> that's awesome um, oh here's what, here's what i found out so this spoiled. is what i yeah this is ahead. what i meant to say was um Norath's, Norath's mission was tracking shipments and materials the First Order moves through the black market, uh, First Order sympathizers and dealers. So so my thought was the Resistance could strike a blow to the First Order and by going after these these dealers in the smaller area. So that's kind of where I was going with. But what difference the, does the, it make? The First Order is not the threat in the, in the final movie. It doesn't matter. That's true. <laughs> strike Strike a blow. Strike a blow, they did. <laughs> go ahead, right? Go ahead and keep going. Right. It, it doesn't make a difference because that's yeah. not even where their power is coming from in the in the last movie. Yeah. Um, sorry, I said we weren't going to spoil anything in Rise, but it's impossible <laughs> at this point. Yeah. I. Where are we? The crew? Yeah, the crew yeah. regroups. Kaz does not want to leave without Norath, but Doza is eager to depart. They decide to start with Leechy and see what he knows. The Grand refuses to talk... Until Yeager threatens to take some of his goods, this is obviously we use the 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 um, episode guide on StarWars.com. This glosses over the only part of this episode that I derived real enjoyment from, which is I uh, 
Kaz and CB23 and Kaz being like, you better talk oh, or generation. else. And CB23 like just like starts moving. What's that little droid going to do? Yeah. And the and and CB twenty three pulls out like the little thing and just starts scraping it, <laughs> just making this awful noise. Yeah. And it, like to me, it looked like it was about to work. And then Yeager steps in and is like, "Look, I'm just gonna blow up your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna take your things and blow up your stuff. Like, yeah. tell us what we need to know." Um, so I I thought I thought that that was uh, that that could have been a cool moment for for Kaz and CB23 of like this unlikely duo is actually, they can actually interrogate. And then like you do. And then at the end of like Sainara and you are like, you know, I really didn't think that was going to work, but I, yeah. I, I guess we underestimated you. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, sorry. Uh, Yeager threatens to take some of his goods. Finally, Leechy says that the bounty hunter rented out a docking bay in the main hangar. If North is alive, he could be there. I thought that, that was funny as well as is one of the parts where I kind of smiled is watching the old nail on the chalkboard kind yeah. of thing, you know, and, and it, like you said, it started to get to him. But then after a minute, everybody was just like, OK, that's enough. You know, like, yeah, that's <laughs> it's even bothering me as well. Um, so they reach the hangar. Kaz, Jaeger and CB23 head for the ship while Sonara keeps an eye out. Kaz finds North on board the bounty hunter's craft, but the landing ramp suddenly closes it's a trap. The bounty hunter acts. Tagrin contacts Commander uh, Pyre. Axe reports that he's snagged three more members of the resistance and sends Pyre coordinates for picking up uh, coordinates for pickup before firing up the ship. Uh, so yeah, obviously a trap uh, set by uh, the bounty hunter. And 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 they kind of make a point too about as far as the bounty hunting again here, as he even says to. Uh, I thought it was pride, but I guess it's pyre, um, that it's more about the money than anything. He kind of mentions, you know, I, I don't really care about mm. anything. It's just more about the money. So kind of reinforcing like the bounty hunter kind of code thing going on. So, uh, but uh, uh, I want to finish it off, Mike? Shoot. Yeah, yeah, because this is just sure. action at this point. Yeah. Uh, as Axe's ship takes off, Sinara commandeers a speeder bike. Meanwhile, Kaz hopes to sabotage the craft. Thanks to CB-23, the ship soon blows an engine and comes crashing down. The Resistance hero, heroes walk away from the crash site, but an enraged axe opens fire. Finally, Yeager and Sinara look to keep him busy while Kaz and Norath leave on the speeder bike and contact Doza. But it's too late. The First Order has already arrived. Um, yeah, so I mean, like... like there was a point in this episode towards the end where I was like, man, they are not wrapping this up. Um, and then yeah. it was like, oh, this is a two-parter? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. This show yeah. has not had two-parters. That's um, what I was going to ask you. Has there ever been a two-parter? I think I the think season so. finale last year was a two-parter, but I... Okay, yeah. I, yeah, no. It, it really hasn't. Yeah. Um, and I'm like... Like I like I kind of finished the episode with like a to be continued vibe, and was like, really, really, <laughs> yeah. this is the story that deserved two parts. Yeah. I, I I don't know. Like it. Like I was just like, oh okay. I mean, like I guess. Like I'm, I'm I don't have a problem with it being in two parts. I actually think like every episode should be. It should be continuous. The show should be serial. Yeah. Whereas like. 
the the every episode up until this point, I think you could have flipped the order around. Other than like, uh, uh, Mika Gray needs to show up before she shows up in Kaz's curse. But other than that, there's no, there's not even a point. Like uh, Mika Gray shows up in Relic Raiders, and then do the one where they go to to uh, Flick's home planet. After yeah. that, it doesn't make a difference, right? Like, yeah. he, like, and that's why I say, like, it's not like the show is serialized, but it's also kind of not serialized. It doesn't really matter. Um, yeah, but yeah, like, like two parter. Okay, uh, we're in danger, but you know, like everybody knows, we're not really in danger. Yeah, um, as I say, a cha- it's kind of a chaotic cliffhanger at the end with all the going explosions and what's going to go. But yeah, it's uh, obviously I, I saw some of the previews for next week, and I think. And in the preview, I see Sonara. So whatever I, happens, they get away. Here, here's one of my things, and this is with Star Wars in general. This isn't me harping on Resistance. The designers of the original trilogy and prequel trilogy ships were geniuses in in a very simple respect. Every ship breaks down in a way that a fourth grader can draw it mm-hmm. right like like super simple i want to draw a tie fighter it's 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 two squares and a ball in the a ping pong ball in the middle right like super easy i want to draw an x-wing it's a it's a, a, a like a fighter jet fuselage with with four wings that split apart right a y-wing is a cockpit and two gigantic engines Right, the A wings got those the the foils on the back of it. It's like it's basically just an arrowhead with with like these vertical wings, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Star destroyers are big triangles. The Tantive Four is is this hammerhead shark with eight engines on the back, right? Like everything is just so clear in the original trilogy. Flip back to the to the prequels. Naboo Starfighter is so iconic there's a lot that you can say about the prequels but you cannot you cannot criticize the ship design Mm -hmm. in in the prequels like the the naboo starfighter is iconic the vulture droid starfighters are iconic and instantly recognizable to the point that they that they harken back to that a couple episodes in vox vortex and you're like oh cool that's basically like the latest version of the vulture droid starfighter right um yeah like and 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 right down to the way that they like that they that they split open into the into the walking version um the the jedi starfighter is a miniature star destroyer um and then even when you when you get into the the uh, that's the delta seven and when you get into the eta two um it it's a similar design but like it's halfway between that and a tie fighter and you're like mm-hmm. okay cool like like all of these are uh, the arc 170 is is like all these precursors to to um to original trilogy designs and stuff like there's so many cool ship designs um the sequel trilogy obviously just reuses all that cool stuff and then throws in the star fortress the bomber and that's basically the only and, and it makes a a really flat star destroyer with two cannons on the bottom um, and that's and that's basically all that we get that's new in uh, in in the sequel trilogy. But um, 
both in this show and in the comics and a bunch of other stuff. Um, actually, I'll say in, in Rogue One, we get the U-Wing, and I think that they nailed that. Yeah. The U-Wing sure. is a great design, and it's now yeah. like iconic Star Wars to the point where like anytime we see a U-Wing, I'm like, cool, U-Wings are awesome. Um, I think that was in the final battle of Rise of Resistance too. right? Uh, Rise of Skywalker, <laughs> I mean. Yeah. Rise, of, Rise of Resistance. <laughs> Rise of Resistance is the ride. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, so yeah. There is. There are a couple in there. Um, but I just like. I just read the the Kylo Ren comic, and you give you give Ben Solo a ship, and it's just this monstrosity of Star Wars design, where it's like I just feel like so much of the time, and and especially on this show. There are some cool designs. The fireball is a good design. Obviously, it's a takeoff on a Z ninety five or an X wing, but uh, but it's a good design. Um, Taurus ship is a good design. Uh, I mean, like all of the aces, I feel like like their ships, like Bo Keevil's ship, is really neat. Um, and they're all distinctive. They have nice colors uh, and distinctive shapes, so that you can kind of recognize them. And then the pirates are meant to have uglies, and that makes sense. Um, mm. but it's still cool. Cause their, their main ship is a galleon. It's like a Spanish galleon spaceship. How cool would it have been to have seen that in rise of Skywalker? Um, yeah. man, that would have been rad. But, <laughs> uh, and then we would have been like, well, clearly they're not the first order. Um, anyways, instead we got a bunch of the same ship. It's just yeah. a bunch of freighters, but, um, yeah, I, I, a lot of these other ships, ship designs that come in, like this ship design for, for Axe's ship, it's just like, it's really unclear what it looks like. You know what I mean? Like, mm. like, like, what are the dimensions of this ship? How big is it? What kind of a ship is it? Is it a, mm. is it a big fighter? Is it a freighter? Is it a transport ship? Like, what is it? What's yeah. the purpose of it? And I think that, that with a lot of Star Wars, that's, that's where the great design is. Is that it's like oh well everything clearly has a purpose, whether it's being used for that purpose or not is is a question. But everything is clearly purposeful. So yeah, yeah I like this ship. I I don't know. At the end of the day, I was like it just like there was a lot of action. It was a lot of chaos. But I was like, what is happening? <laughs> what part yeah. of the ship is that? What's like other like it's clear that it's the engine and yada yada yada. But I don't right. know. Just from a design standpoint. Just from a design standpoint, it's not a ship that I go like. Oh, I'd really like that action figure or Lego set. But yeah. Anyways. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm just looking at Kylo Ren's ship from the comic and and because I, I forgot that he, he did have a ship in the comic. So yeah, it's obviously an interesting. What a nightmare that thing is. Yeah, it's it's weird with the uh, round thing, the little circular thing in the back, and the engines seem like they're in front. It's a trip, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's not the engines, work. but. Yeah, it yeah. looks like somebody just took a bunch of pieces of Star Wars ships and like configured them differently. And we're yeah. like, yeah, that's a Star Wars ship. And it's like, no, you got to start with a design and then make it Star Wars afterwards. But yeah. uh, the Razor Crest is a great design. Um, that's a really great example of like, oh, this is kind of new, but it's definitely very Star Wars. Um, yeah. Cool. I I guess that's it. Huh? Yeah, that's it. So here we go. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna blip through these real quick just so that everybody knows where we're headed in the okay. next in the next month. Um, Next week is obviously Breakout. Kaz and Norath try to help their friends while being pursued by a deadly bounty hunter. Um, after that, the mutiny. 
Uh, Kragen buys a secret weapon to capture the Colossus and take over. When Sayonara discovers this plan, she tries to warn Kaz and crew, but it may be too late. So obviously Sayonara and Yeager are going to be fine. Mm. Um, the New World, I, I, Doza takes the Colossus to a hidden world on the Outer Rim, only to find that it's inhabited by beings who don't like them. Uh, okay, so that's okay. Not, not really super, super important. Um, although we got Lucy Lawless coming in those episodes. That's kind of yeah. Uh, Kaz decides to join up with Poe and the Resistance. Whoa, no way. That's exciting. But things <laughs> go awry when he discovers the First Order has located the Colossus. Oh, so he's so he's not going to meet up with Poe and the Resistance. Okay. Cool. Hmm. Well, you know, we got a couple episodes left. So clearly we're building towards the rise of Skywalker, right? Uh, resistance recruits need an escort getting off of Dantooine, but unfortunately Tam is assigned to destroy the recruits. Okay, Dantooine. Maybe, that, maybe that'll that'll tie in. I don't know. Huh. Okay, okay, whatever. You know, we got one episode left, okay? season Series finale. Let's go out with a bang. Kaz and Yeager attempt to rescue Tam from the First Order while trying to evade capture on a Star Destroyer. Meanwhile, the Colossus is in trouble and, in, and faces an impossible choice. Hmm. So we're not going to see any tie-in to Rise of Skywalker. Calling it it's right now, yeah. the impossible choice here is we can stay and help Kaz and Yeager rescue Tam, or we join the fight against the First Order. Mm-hmm. That's the impossible choice that they have, and they're going to choose to stay and rescue Kaz, Yeager, and Tam. That's Right. It's about Tam. Yeah. They're not at the Battle of Exegol. That's like I it, I will be very surprised if we discover that they are. I will be very very just surprised. Yeah. Oh, and that final episode length twenty two minutes, twenty two minutes and three seconds. Okay. I guess it's not a one hour finale. Here okay. It was a one hour finale. Unless I mean, like I'm reading this off of the the fandom wiki. It, it could be wrong, but yeah, sure, sure. Anyways, there we go. That's what we got to look that's forward to. Yep. You know what? At least Mandalorian is is now done. Uh, obviously, we'll podcast about it next week, but um, on Monday. But uh, uh, you guys will get it Tuesday. Um, but it, I won't be thinking about it as much. I won't be like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen in the finale. We we now now we know. So yeah, we'll be wondering about season two, and we'll still be talking about Rise of Skywalker. But 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 I guess we can just kind of. Put those things in the back of our mind to try and enjoy resistance. <laughs> I guess. Let's go. Well, we'll have, like you said, we'll have Rise will, has been out and yeah. the Mandalorian will be over. So maybe we'll, we'll come back and finish out yeah. resistance with a, something. All right, man. That's it. Cool. That's it. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Uh, as always, you guys can stay up to date with all the latest Star Wars animation news, of which there's going to be a lot in the next little bit because we got sure. Clone Wars coming up. So get excited about that. That, that really is what this is. These last few episodes of Resistance are not the last episodes of Resistance. This is a countdown to Clone Wars. And every week, hopefully, we're going to start getting um, some some news about Clone Wars coming in February. So we'll have something exciting to talk about there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, stay stay tuned to uh, rebelcells.com uh, and follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash rebelspodcast, on Twitter at rebelspodcast, and, uh, and on Instagram at rebelcells. Um, for all that that Star Wars animation news. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at ArkWolf, A-R-K-W-U-L-F. You can follow Matt at The Crankster. That's Crankster with a K. 
We're part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Head to thunderquack.com to check out all the other great podcasts in the network. And uh, uh, you, if you like what you hear, you can support us in two ways. First, by going to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merch. And second, by going to patreon.com slash thunderquack and kicking in with your monthly pledge of support, getting some cool rewards in the process. Uh, that is it for this week's episode. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for powering through with us. Uh, next week, we'll talk about Resistance with full spoilers for, for Rise of Skywalker. And uh, we'll probably have a lot to say. So um, stay tuned for that. Uh, uh, thank you for listening. We'll catch you guys next week. Mm-hmm.